long time no here. It's Rob, and this is What's on Joe Mind's Rack Time. It's been a while, and comics have really backed up on me, which is good because maybe that means that IDW is possibly fixing their uh, publishing schedule. Speaking of the schedule, if you picked me getting this done before Dead Game 5 comes out, you win! What you win, uh, uh... Anyway, I've got five issues of Real American Hero to get through, and then bonus coverage of a very special event, so let's get going. I'll start off with G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, number 279. Story by Larry Hama and art by Alex Sanchez. It's the fourth of the Untold Tales stories. Cobra has launched an attack on the USS Flag from a launch base in the southern fjords of Frusionland. I just like saying fjords. The Joes launched the Sky Striker with Ace, the Conquest X-30 with Slipstream, and the Phantom X-19 with Ghost Rider to take out the launch base. Cobra prepares to launch a wave to take out the damaged flag once and for all. Now, the Joes are actually managed to take out the launch base before Cobra can launch a full attack wave, and then they're able to engage with the fighters that Cobra was able to launch and keep them from the flag. Overall, this is a pretty good story. Larry has an uncanny ability to be able to write a dogfight comic, which is not easy when you have static images that are supposed to portray a lot of movement, and the artists do a really good job of conveying that movement. Next up is G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 280. This is the last of the Untold Tales stories by Larry Hama and Brian Shearer with Ron Joseph. This one features the Baroness, and it's set immediately after the events of issue 34, and we see Wild Weasel and the Baroness taking their critically damaged Rattler in for a landing. The landing doesn't go super well. A rescue crew of Techno Vipers have to extract them from the burning wreck, but both survive. However, there's no rest for the Wicked, as Destro tells the Baroness that she has to go to Paris to oversee an operation that Major Blood is running with some Vipers. They're supposed to intercept and kidnap the Prime Minister of Barovia from his country to force him into a deal favoring Cobra, but Blood goes off script by trying to kill him. Destro informs the Baroness that Blood has replaced the Vipers that were sent to him with renegade foreign legionnaires and has taken more money from the PM's political opposition to kill him. So the Baroness hops on a missile-firing Vespa scooter, yes, I just said those words, and attempts to stop Blood. The Baroness succeeds in stopping Blood from killing the PM, and in gratitude, the Prime Minister offers to talk to Cobra. This issue, unfortunately, it just didn't work for me. Unlike the other untold stories, this one is directly shoehorned into a spot in between issues, at specific issues of the old Marvel series. But unfortunately, there's, there's things in the storyline that don't let it add up that way. Around the time of issue 34, there's no techno-vipers or vipers in, in the figure line. So those characters really shouldn't be showing up just yet. Really, they're only just getting started, getting ready to start, it introduces the 85 line of figures. So the Vipers are about a year away, and the Techno Vipers are two years away. Second, Major Blood mentions that he will see the Baroness at the rally. The rally in question is the one where Brainwashed Billy attempts to kill Cobra Commander. That rally happened already, it was in issue 33. And this story takes place immediately after 34. Plus, when you see them, when you see the Baroness and Blood again in issue 35, they're awfully chummy with each other, and they're talking to Zartan about Buzzer having stolen his motorcycle. So if Blood had just been trying to kill the Baroness, she's, she's really going to be looking for a place to stick a knife in his ribs, and not being awfully friendly and helping him berate Zartan. This is a lady that holds grudges. Finally, Barovi has a prime minister? That country, when we saw later in like about like the 60s, of the real American hero run from Marvel. That country was basically, it was like a Warsaw Pact puppet dictatorship. There was no political opposition because they were all in the gulags. They had a resistance, such as it was, but it was probably not one with the money and the resources to hire Major Blood. I don't see that that really is in the White Clown's playbook anyway. So that story just doesn't hold up, unfortunately. Next up are the first three segments of the next Joe story arc, Murder by Assassination, in G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero 281, 282, and 283. It's, it's really just IDW going back to labeling a story arc on the cover for the sake of 
packaging in a trade. The story for all three issues is by Larry Hama, of course. And the art for 281 and 282 is by Andrew Lee Griffith. And the art on 283 is by our old friend S.L. Gollin. 281 starts off with Hawk and Stalker joining a convoy in the contested areas of Trishul Abysmia. Several convoys have been hit recently, and the Joe suspect a cobra of aiding the local terrorist cells. The colonel in charge tells Hawk and Stalker about the detective work being done by an MP Sergeant Regina Sherlock Allen, who has turned up more leads than the whole CID, which is the Criminal Investigation Division. The convoy is transporting some special high-tech ordnance. It is eventually ambushed by a terrorist named Al Cobra with some Cobra support. Of course he's got Cobra support. Listen to his name. The convoy is able to keep the ordnance out of Al Cobra's hands, but Sherlock comes out of the engagement with a badly wounded left arm that is eventually amputated. Hawk recommends her for transfer to the G.I. Joe team, and they fit her with a prosthetic arm very similar to the bionic leg that Sightline has. She and the other new Joe caseload, the Joe's JAG specialist, Judge Advocate General, will be setting up a special Joe CID unit at the Pentagon to investigate possible Cobra infiltration into the U.S. government. And in issue 282... We see the Joes at a Senate hearing concerning the invasion of Springfield and the rescue of Snake Eyes, who we know is Throwdown. And we're going to see just some of that Cobra infiltration in the government here. The Joes that are testifying are Hawk, Scarlet, Throwdown, as Snake Eyes, Caseload, and another new Joe, their budget expert, Bottom Line. Stalker and Helix are there for security. Sherlock is watching the door outside the Senate chambers. The Senators want an explanation as to why the Joes conducted an unauthorized operation and shot up what looks like an American town. We've heard this story before. One of the Senators is Wendy Ling Torres, who we've seen before. She is a sleeper agent for COBRA, having been programmed by the Brainwave Scanner. She does not remember this, and no one outside of COBRA knows this either. Another Senator, Senator Thorman Lardner, is on the COBRA payroll, having accepted large campaign donations, and he's wearing a lapel pin that is allowing COBRA Commander and Dr. Mindmetter to watch and listen to the proceedings. Outside the chambers is a Fred Series Crimson Guardsman who's claiming to be Wade Collins. He's not, of course, but he wants in to utter the code words that will activate Senator Lingtors' programming. Like I said, COBRA Commander's monitoring the whole thing from Springfield and giving orders, and from the pit, Duke, Mainframe, and Psychout are watching as well. The Pit tells Sherlock that the CG is not Wade, but before she can tell Stalker, another Cobra agent stops her. They struggle, and Sherlock almost recognizes his voice. It seems that the Cobra agent knows some stuff about Sherlock, and Sherlock, in turn, seems to recognize this Cobra agent's voice. The fight spills into the chambers, and the Cobra agent is able to kill Senator Lardner and takes his lapel pin camera. Helix knocks out the CG before he can activate Senator Ling Torres. And that brings up issue 283. It begins in a van in the city of Xi Zing in the Republic of Fan Chang. Roadblock, Chuckles, and new Joe computer expert Black Hat are trailing a taxi that has Lady J and a new operative Multo riding in it. Multo is ex-Philippine Special Forces. His name means Ghost in Tagalog. They are posing as insurgents looking to buy a nuclear warhead from our new bad guy Al Cabra from issue 281. Al Cabra is being very careful and is using a number of precautions and the Joes in the van are struggling to maintain radio and visual contact as a result. What the Joes do see on the scene is the Thunder Machine with Xandar and Zorana. Also on the Thunder Machine is River Pirate Sarawak Sally and members of her crew. This is a really deep pull. Sarawak Sally hasn't been seen since her appearance in the old Marvel G.I. Joe Special Missions number 4. The meeting goes south as Alcabra figures out his potential buyers are Joes, and then the Thunder Machine bursts in and grabs the warhead. Lady J and Molto pile into the van and give chase towards the docks where Sally's freighter is waiting. 
The Thunder Machine and the surveillance van roll onto the freighter, and everybody gets ready for a firefight until they realize that nobody on that boat wants a loose nuclear warhead around. The Joes and the Dreadnoughts are working for the same purpose. So they disarm the nuke and drop the warhead in the Marianas Trench. Problem solved. Now, so far, this story's hitting on all the right notes for me. Cobra's planning something we don't quite know what, but it's calling back to some long-dangling subplots, including Cobra's infiltration of the U.S. government. And I really prefer this approach to storytelling over than trying to create some really big, overhyped storyline that ends up nowhere. Like the last one. This is the formula that works for G.I. Joe. Plus, we have some new blood added to the Joes and the Cobras to freshen things up a little bit. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about is a little bit off the usual track. It's the Batman-Fortnite zero-point crossover by Christos Gage, Don Mustard, and Riley Brown. The story opens with a rift in the sky over Gotham City. Batman, of course, investigates, and he sees Harley Quinn do the crazy thing and jump in, because she's Harley and she's nuts. Batman gets pushed in by an unseen enemy. He ends up in a forest, and he can't speak or remember who he is. He does retain all of his fighting skills, however, and his detective abilities, which he is going to need to fight off the attackers. Now, the world where Batman has ended up is one where time resets every 20 minutes or so, and it wipes out the memory of the cycle that just happened. There's a storm that does the time resetting, and it essentially puts everyone back to the start, just like a video game. One player fights to be at the center of the storm to escape the environment, essentially moving up to the next level. Now, Batman figures that this out as the goal, and he remembers this information. Not Well, he doesn't really remember it, but he retains this information by leaving himself notes that are still there when he resets and reads you know, the note that he left himself. One prominent note that he left himself was, Trust the cat. She's a friend. Catwoman has ended up in this realm as well. They have an instinctual feeling that they know and trust each other and often work together to fight their way to the storm to get out. In one, their final attempt together, Batman lets Catwoman level up and escape. That brings us to the third issue. The first two were narrated by Batman. This issue, the narration is basically a series of emails that is sent by whoever is monitoring the game to his or her superiors. They're growing concerned that Batman is going to be the player skillful enough to just basically shut the whole game down. So they decide to send in another asset to slow him down, and that asset is Snake Eyes. And Snake Eyes, his look is exactly like that of the classified figure, so if you were able to find one on the stands, you know what he looks like. Snake Eyes and Batman fight their way through other opponents and against each other with such skill that the other players are often stopping and watching the show. Batman and Snake Eyes also begin to develop a respect for each other that carries through each 20-minute reset. They sense each other's inherent nobility, that they're, they're both great warriors and they both work for the side of good. They also begin to communicate at certain points through signing, despite being from different realities. Eventually, Batman and Snake Eyes are the last two for a storm, and Snake Eyes lets Batman level up and each one salutes the other as they fade out. The issue ends at the next level, Batman sees a familiar face, Catwoman, but she's being held at gunpoint by another DC character, Deathstroke. So the next two issues have Batman leading other characters from the game to a spot that they know as the Zero Point, which is supposed to be able to take everyone back to their home realities. We haven't seen more Snake Eyes yet, but maybe for the finale in issue six. Anyway, was it cool to see Batman and Snake Eyes fight? Yes, it was. Now, we don't really get a definitive winner in either of those fights, because we never really see a complete fight in the issue. We basically are seeing scenes from each 20-minute reset. So I imagine probably Batman won some, Snake Eyes won some. But I think that's neat in the way that getting that definitive answer kind of lets that fun debate go on. Riley Brown's art is very good here. I really like his stuff. He, he's able to keep all these crazy characters and fight scenes very clear and understandable, so it's all done really well. The story is losing me a little bit, but I think that just comes from the fact that I don't know anything about Fortnite. I really, I know that it's a game. That's it. 
and there's wacky characters. But that's okay, I just signed up to see Batman and Snake Eyes in the same comic, and that's what I got. That's all for this time. There's a lot to catch up on, and I'm going to get back to reading so I don't fall too far behind again. So when the new books come out, I'll see you at the Comics Racks.